0: And how many fans start showing up. So visit ScoreNorth.com now and enter keyword partner.
1: Get in the know, nonstop Viking Star. It's Purple Daily on ScoreNorth and ScoreNorth.com.
2: All right, Purple Daily on draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Tyler Fornis, Miles Gorham, Declan Goff here to take you through another edition of Purple Daily on draft. Uh, we've compiled some comments and questions mostly on the defensive side of the ball and then specifically the defensive line uh, area of the football where the Vikings are very weak and they're very thin a lot of question marks going forward so we've had a lot of kind of meat and potatoes questions on this position on the regular episodes of Purple Daily so why not bring this theme also over uh, to Purple Daily on draft and we have about some we have about four questions here from listeners that I'm excited to spring onto Tyler and Miles to kind of get their thoughts on that position. Plus, we'll get into a mock draft from Tyler that he did at Vikings Wire. Uh, so hit that subscribe button, Daily Vikings Entertainment, on the Purple Daily podcast feed and YouTube channel. All right, so let's start off with, uh, with, with this one here. Shannon wants to know, for the PDOD crew, I would love to hear Tyler and Miles discuss defensive tackle candidates in the 2024 draft that could potentially be plug-and-play to help the defensive line. So, like, of Roy was a nice little rookie they had last year, and maybe he gets more minutes, uh, or more you know, playing time, I should say, this coming season. But, Forno, are, are there any defensive tackles, and it's not always a sexy position to take right away, but are there plug-and-play guys that the Vikings could grab that you would have your eyes on uh, this early in the draft process?
1: There's one that I absolutely love, and yeah, he's a big boy. And he's uh, every year I do the all four on team. It's it's just my favorite players in this draft. And Devondre Sweat, the defensive lineman from Texas, has already grabbed a spot. He's six four, three hundred and sixty two pounds, and he moves way better than you might think for a guy that size. We're not talking Jordan Davis type athleticism, but we're talking very good for his size, and the motor is nice as well. What I really liked about him was that there's a nice power punch in his hands. Uh, I it worries me a little bit with nose tackles who get up towards six four, and he has this issue as well. Plays a little too high with his pad level, and I'd like to see him utilize leverage a little bit better and get lower. But sometimes you just it, he's three sixty two. How low can you expect him to get? So you almost have to just kind of deal with it. But with the how the Vikings want to play defense, you need that two gapper at nose. Harrison Smith played admirably well out of position. I want to slide him over to a three tech, a five tech and let him do things that are a little bit more natural to him. Uh, what's really interesting about sweat. He looks like he should be a zero tech, a true two gapper. That's not exactly what he played at Texas. Most of his snaps were a three technique where you're playing in a single gap. That's how that Texas defense front really wanted to play. They had good players on the second and third levels to be able to come up and fit runs. So you, you almost have to work with him a little bit to really feel comfortable as that two-gap player. But when you watch him, he can handle double teams. He can uh, stack and shed blocks. He can do a lot of the things you want in the running game. And he's not a complete liability in the passing game as well. He has a 10% pressure rate on pass uh, rush snaps. It's pretty good for a 362-pound nose. So you'd be able to plug and play him. I don't know how many snaps you'd be able to play him for because he's such a large human. but. If you could get him on the field for, I don't know, 40 to 50 percent of the snaps, I think he could make a really big impact.
2: Miles, how about you? Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of holes in this defensive team uh, on this defense and on the Vikings in general and defensive edge seems to obviously be another one that people are talking about. But these defensive tackles, these nose tackles uh, and whatnot, uh, could you see the Vikings taking one in the first round of the draft? And is that something that you would be okay with if the Vikings end up having to do so?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to see them take a a nose tackle in the first round, but I they need one like to to Forno's point. and I love the Texas boys in general. Byron Murphy the second too, like they, they both of those guys are are legit players in this draft, and both guys could fit with his Vikings with his Vikings defense needs on the defensive line. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think I could see them going defensive end edge rusher in the first round if they don't go quarterback. And I'm trying to get myself out of the mindset like. It might not be court like it can't just always be quarterback in my mind. We got to think other options too Mm because it's so easy, at least for me, to like just want to focus on quarterback, go trade up, go all these different scenarios. But defensive line is obviously the biggest, in my opinion, biggest need on defense. Um, Harrison Phillips is the only guy coming back that is probably worth um, having trust in in twenty twenty four and beyond, Um, or even just just for twenty twenty four. He's the only guy coming back under a contract that you are like, hey, he has a solidified role but he shouldn't be playing 900,000, 900 plus snaps. Um, There's no way that should be happening. Um, And I think that I I love the idea of moving him and shifting him over to play a little bit more of that like edge five tech um, uh, role on this defense just because he is more of a like three tech traditional three tech than a, than a nose tackle for how he plays, but he's not like a true pass rusher either. So um, I think they, they need to find that guy that kind of gives them that, that balance that guy that can help um, stuff the gap, but also uh, against the run, but also can get to the quarterback. And they need somebody that can create that interior pressure. So, yeah, if they if they can find that guy early in the draft, I'm all for it because that's a disruptor. They need a disruptor in the middle. They don't have it right now. They have guys that can function and they can play well, and I think they showed throughout the season that they were pretty good at – they eventually got better at stopping the run at that Eagles game. Take that one out of the, out of the way because that doesn't count. We don't want to count that one. But other than that, I think they did a, a pretty good job overall of defending the run. And I think they were able to find that like mesh point um, with Brian Flores, but they definitely need that guy that can be a true disruptor. You know, we have it within a division. Kenny Clark. Um, you have you have guys like that. We we had to go against um, who's the Bears guy for so long. Um, oh, Akeem, Akeem Hicks. Nicks? Akeem Hicks. Thank you, yeah. Akeem Hicks, for so long. Like guys like that, they're just <laughs> disruptors in both against the run and and rushing the passer. The Vikings just haven't had that guy since like Sheree Floyd, Kevin Williams. You know, um, Pat, I mean. Uh, uh, not not oh, Pat Williams too, but uh Linval Joseph Linval. was really good at that as well. He yeah. was a he's a guy that you, you could really plug and play. Um and he played more snaps than you probably would have liked him to, but he was just so good. The Vikings just haven't had that kind of guy in a long time. So would really love to see them find that guy this offseason, whether it's in the draft or or somehow in free agency.
2: So four this listener is named Tyler. So forgive me on my Tyler's that I'm getting confused here, but Tyler, go. Tyler wants to know, would you be able to be able to talk about the guys on PDOD about the defensive? Would you guys be able to talk about the defensive tackle out of Texas? He sweat and what they think of him. He's six, four, almost 350 pounds. He's an absolute mammoth of a man in the middle of the currently small defensive line for the Vikings. And he's looking like an early day two pick Uh Putting you on the sweat, uh, putting on the sweat. Oh, my God. On the spot, Forno, have you watched any tape or have you watched any Texas ball with Tavondre Sweat? And what do you think of him as a prospect for the Vikings?
1: Well, I, I don't know if you listened to my, my first segment, Declan, but that's all I talked about <laughs> yeah. is Tavandre Sweat. Yeah, I was, oh, was going to say,
2: we just, just went five word. minutes.
1: <laughs> uh, sweat, sweat's the man. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he's, he's the guy that you take in round two and you don't think twice. It, not sexy. But sometimes you just have to eat your vegetables. I will say, though, to kind of add on, I would prefer the Vikings not have to take a defensive lineman because they use free agency to fortify the position and they fixed it there. Uh, A guy like Christian Wilkins. Sometimes you just have to spend on a player that you don't have. And that's what free agency is for. Free agency is for fixing needs. The draft is about acquiring the best talent. And I, I would prefer that the Vikings don't have to go into the draft with a big need at defensive line because they've already taken care of it.
2: Uh, this is where highlighting and deleting the comments when I'm done with them uh, comes into handy, and I forgot to do it on this one. So I already talked don't about. Don't worry, Tyler, Sweat. We still answered your question. We did, though. We acknowledged Tyler's question at the very least. We added that in the in the new layer of uh, of of Tavondre Sweat, uh, Miles. So we we kind of went over some defensive line targets uh, th- uh, today on Purple Daily as well. Do you see them spending a lot of money? Like, let, let's take Hunter out of the equation here just for a second. Do you see them spending big money on a defensive tackle? Like, do you see them trying to figure out the way in free agency to get that? Or is it better to probably maybe not have to overspend it in free agency and maybe just identify it in the draft?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think they'll find a way to add at least another body within free agency, probably within the realm that we've seen from the Kuesu Dafa um uh, regime so far is in that like mid-tier range. They're not, I don't think they're going to go out. Christian Wilkins obviously would be amazing. I think that's, that's like a trendsetter. That's a, that's the guy you're looking for to like, re, to like really fix, help fix that and fortify that defensive line. And that disruptor I was talking about earlier, but I don't know if they have the money, especially if you want to try to bring back Hunter. I just, I don't see that as like an option. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I see Miami letting him go either. We'll see how that plays out. I know their, their cap situation is pretty tricky too, but um you know, I, I think we could see like the Byron Murphy Jr. type the uh, Marcus Davenport type signings where you know you find that like eight to ten million dollar range guy, but who's good, who's coming off their maybe their rookie contract, a guy that um or maybe is, you know, um in their like later twenties, but they're you know, they quite, haven't quite hit that, that mark. That's kind of been crazy's mark uh, market is like the guys coming right after the rookie deals that like twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight year old range. Guys that you can build on for the next, you know, handful of years, not just a one-year stopgap. I think Marcus Davenport was a little bit more of like a, uh, a misnomer. He, that's not really a trend that like to go with, but they know they needed to fill that position, and that was probably the only they could probably only get him on a one-year deal um, at, a, at terms that they could were comfortable with. So um, I think they they kind of would prefer to do like the short two-year, three-year type deals, but get guys that they can rely on for those two to three years as well, so um, that they can hit in their while they hit their, uh, their prime, that 26, 27, 28-year-old prime, after a lot of these guys is important. Um, so I would love to see that kind of move, you know, maybe go get two guys. I, I like Jonathan Bullard as much as the next guy, but maybe it's time to, like, you can't rely – got to stop, like, letting these guys be your staple forces on defense, though. Like, Jonathan Bullard, a, a, you know, has been a solid player for the Vikings, but he's not, he's not a staple. He's not a guy that you should be seeing play 700, 800 snaps. He's a depth, you know, NFL – you know, replacement level player and that I'm not trying to say, that's no slight to him, but that's just kind of where he is. You should be trying to find a guy a step above that um, at, at the worst. And so if they can do that and then still find a guy in the drafts on like day two, day, early day three, I think that's where they should really be focusing.
2: So uh, one gauges on YouTube says, I want an Aaron Donald type into your guy with our first pick. And, you know, Aaron Donald's a first ballot hall of famer, just an insane game record to at his position. Is, is there a can't miss, I mean, is there is there a can't miss defensive tackle that maybe is not on the Aaron Donald Hall of Fame path porno, no, but is there anyone in the draft that maybe is going to be like a game record type, like uh, like Donald, is that a defensive tackle or is this more of a weaker class or more of just a depth class with not a lot of high ceiling?
1: Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I understand the premise of the question and I understand kind of what they're looking for and talking about, but we also have to remember that Aaron Donald's probably one of the biggest outliers in the history of the NFL draft dude was small coming out and there were really, really big questions about whether he could succeed in the NFL playing on the interior. Like we're talking John Randall small and just like John Randall, he just ended up being a biggest, the biggest outlier because he ended up being just an alpha and great in almost every sense of the word. So it, to ask for that, like this is what I mean. Like I understand the premise of the question who could potentially be a game maker? I really don't think you're gonna find somebody even close to Aaron Donald in this class. But if you want somebody who can come in, be a penetrator, be a guy who's versatile, play multiple spots on the line. I think Jerzon Newton from Illinois is probably that guy. Uh he's uh 6'2, about 295, and he can rush off the edge if you need him to. I'm not talking like a wide nine, but if you want to put him at like like right over the tackles of five tech, like he can do that and he can bend a little bit. He's got some explosiveness you do worry a little bit about leverage, strength, just, he got doubled and tripled a lot at Illinois, and he really did struggle in those situations, so if he comes in into situations where he's dealing with stunts and stuff, like, that could become an issue in the National Football League, so I don't think he's a surefire slam dunk. Wouldn't shock me if he goes top 10. I know Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah, two NFL draft analysts who are very plugged in, mocked him towards the end of the first round, whereas the rest of the media kind of feels he's a little further up. Well, when they talk about something you really have to take notice because it's that kind of information is mainly coming from NFL teams and it's a little less opinion-based and more reality-based, so to speak. So, I'm going to be very intrigued. Byron Murphy, he was a late bloomer. And that's the big worry with him. How how much of him being a late bloomer, like when you're 23 years old and you're whipping the butt of a 19-year-old kid, all right. Sure. But if you're a 20 year old, and you're not whipping the butt of the 18, 19 year old kid. Then you're, you start having more questions. Which is why the late bloomer can be a little bit of a red flag, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's like a, a death sentence or anything. It's just, it's a part of the picture. And I haven't do, uh, dove head first into Murphy, but the flashes I've seen live are really, really good. And he is explosive and he's able to be that interior pass rusher. But if you want that Aaron Donald esque type, the quickness, the ability to play multiple spots in that arch type role. It's on Newton. All right. So- I thought Murphy was a,
0: a junior 21 coming out. I didn't, didn't think he was older. I Well, I know from he's a I, senior bowl guy from what I've seen. I think he's an
1: underclassman senior bowl. Okay. That might be where I, I goofed. Cause well, e- either way, he really no, didn't burst onto the scene until this year. Yeah. I yeah, just yeah. thought he was older.
0: No, uh from when I, he's a he's a junior, he came in at in 2021, so he's a true junior.
2: Okay, so Forno, uh, Never you, mind. you did a mock draft at Vikings Wire, and actually, let's, let's kind of start in the middle of this draft and work our way on, on, on the outside and inside, because you have a couple defensive tackles in this seven-round mock, which you can find, by the way, at Vikings Wire. Um, you have a couple middle-round picks going to the Vikings uh, in the defensive tackle realm, starting at pick 108 with uh, Florida State defensive tackle Braden Fiske, Um, you did a little bit of a write up here. He's quick off the ball and has power in his hands, uh, with a great motor. But again, he's a little undersized, which is something we've been talking a little bit about. Um, what do you think of his potential with the Vikings, especially as a, you know, fourth round pick type of guy?
1: I like this as a fourth round pick because he's got an incredible motor and he really got better throughout the course of this season, but you do have some issues and that's why you're going to get a guy like him in the fourth round. Uh, what I've noticed with a lot of these nose tackle types is they're coming in around 300, 310 pounds. And that doesn't necessarily work for how the Vikings want to play defense. It's one of the reasons why Harrison Phillips is playing out of position. He's the same arch type of player, same body like size. You want that bigger guy who can really be a run stuffer with a little bit of athleticism and quickness to be able to dart from gap to gap. And Fisky, I think is a high motor guy and one thing I've noticed with fourth-round picks, you're going to get three types of players. You're going to get the high-motor guy without the super-high athletic upside. You're going to get the super-high athletic upside with, with uh, very little production. Or you're going to get the guy who's just a stud that falls either due to off-the-field stuff or injuries. Like, Josh Sweat was in that bucket. Fourth-round pick of the Eagles. He ended up signing a big extension. He's been a really good edge rusher for him. People thought his knees were going to be dust in two years like Brandon Roy. So that's why he ended up falling when he was a first-round caliber player. So I think Fiskey falls into the bucket where he's got the production, but I worry a little bit about the athletic upside. I worry about him just having to time snaps rather than just be super quick because I, I you want to trust athleticism more than you want to trust some of those little intangibles like that. We're not talking leadership or anything. We're talking just how you play the game on the field because athleticism will translate. But some of those intangibles you're playing against better competition. That's not going to always translate one-to-one. So I like Fiske and I think that's about the right spot for him.
2: Miles, what do you think of and Roy taking that other step? That we talked about at the top of the show where he's a rookie. Now he's a second year player. If you know, forno's going to be having a couple maybe project or depth guys, maybe I should say that that he's drafting this year is, do you look at at least early on and before OTAs and mini camp and everything takes place do you think Jaquel and Roy is someone they're probably going to be counting on to maybe try to earn a starting spot for 2024?
0: I mean, I think they're going to have to. Mm-hmm. I don't like going into seasons and off seasons, or I guess into the following like, training camp, where like young guys have to come in to step a role. but I think they're going to have a position where I don't think they're going to have enough cap space to completely refill everything in one year. It's going to be a, a multi-year process to kind of revamp this defense completely. So I think guys like Jaquale, Jaquale and Roy are are you like need them to step up and come in and go into the and go into training camp as like maybe a number two guy who is pushing for a number one role. Um, you, like those are the types of things you want to see from your second round or your uh, fifth round pick on in year two. Um, I don't know if he'll be ever be a guy that you can fully rely on, but I I kind of have the hope that I think there's some small flashes there, um, and maybe we'll see how he does in the offseason, how he can build off of it. Um, a lot of work to be done. Um, again, I'm not saying I'm I'm like going into it like super confident he'll be a guy that you can rely on, but I think you you might have to go into the off season with the expectation of him being one of your you know top top interior guys going into the, going into training camp and hoping he can continue to push for a role.
2: So you also have a 4 0 Tyler Davis here out of Clemson, uh, also going pick 130 here for the Vikings. So another kind of similar. Type of write-up to um, concerns with some explosiveness uh, again slightly undersized but you're are, is it just kind of putting as many guys as as a dart throw and putting as many guys in a bag to, to kind of hope and see with Roy and Tyler Davis and obviously Fisky that maybe one of these guys emerges as as a as a starter for the Vikings in
1: 2024. Yeah, uh, I also don't think it's quite that simple either. It, we're going to learn a lot about how the the Vikings are going to approach the NFL draft, and I think. The way I approach these mock drafts is I like to explore situations and we're going to look at uh, how the first round shaped up here in a little bit and why the the Vikings are taking a couple shots at defensive line here later because and NFL teams do this too. You have to do a lot of mock draft simulations. Okay. Well, what happens if this guy's on the board and all these guys go, how are we going to approach this? So when all of a sudden you're on the clock with only 10 minutes to make a decision, you're not scrambling. Oh, We didn't prepare for this. How are we going to handle this? And that's what these mock drafts are for. They're not to be predictive. They're to understand, okay, this happened. What happens if we do this? And how does it impact the rest of the draft? How does it impact how the Vikings could possibly approach this? And come April, I'll I'll do some predictive stuff. But right now, it's just about exploring possibilities, exploring situations. And I think if you're not going to get a defensive lineman in free agency, which right now we don't have uh, because it's January, and if you're not going to get one in the first two rounds, it's almost better to take multiple guys in round four because you can get some upside and you can get some real production early on and at least rotational guys with the idea that, hey, maybe they can be something more. And at, at worst, you're hoping that they're that rotational guy. Think of James Lynch. James Lynch was taken. He was the high production, low athletic upside guy. He was fine. He was a stalwart player and he probably would have been a starter for this team, if he didn't tear his ACL in that first night practice, like that—that's what you're getting, and you're hoping they can maybe turn into an Everson Griffin, a Ray Edwards, a Brian Robinson, where they're a long-term or at least like longer short-term starter for this team and making a really big impact. Like that's what you're looking for from these guys—the potential to get the upside, but at, at the very least, they're contributors. And I think having two options like Davis and Fisky, and I think they can play across the line a little bit like Jaqueline and Roy, because when Roy was drafted, he had potential to maybe go in the first round. The Vikings were actually mocked him in the first round in May of 22 by Bleacher Report uh, because he had that high upside and the, all the defensive changes of Brian Kelly. And we now know that LSU's defensive structure as not the talent, as far as the coaching, is just garbage because they're massively underutilizing what they have. Like maybe you can get more out of Roy in year two. Well, you took him in round five. You weren't expecting him to be great off the bat, but you'd like to be able to see him take a step forward. But with the unknown of free agency, if things were to shape out as they did in this mock draft, taking a couple guys is a smart play.
2: Okay, so let's go to the top of the draft here. So uh, with the 11th pick in the draft, Tyler Fornis with the first selection in the in this draft selects in this mock wide receiver malik neighbors out of lsu now you mentioned Mm -hmm. that very unlikely he'll probably be here but if the top quarterbacks are gone and he is still on the board that you probably can't pass up a talent like that even if wide receiver is a position that the vikings are at a little bit of strength right now with justin jefferson Mm -hmm. jordan addison and whatnot and Forno, i know you did a write-up on him but Miles, just quick. If if neighbors is on the board, do you have to run to the board and take it right away, or, or are you trading back? What would you, what would you do in that scenario if, if a talent like that is <laughs> is on the board at eleven?
0: I, I mean, you're you're talking to the offensive guy here, yep. the guy that you re, the receiver. Like I, I I'm I'm all for taking receiver. <laughs> the one thing I will say is like I have a hard time seeing it. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with it by any means. I'm all for taking weapons. You should always have weapons. I think the more high end weapons you have, the better opportunity you have to win. Um but what wouldn't surprise me is if um in that scenario a team's really trying to trade up and they're willing to offer maybe overpay to get up to that spot to take neighbors and you have Addison and, and JJ who hopefully by the draft is locked in long term or if not you know by training camp um but one of the only reasons i could see that really being like a a, a scenario i would be worried if this was the case but make, maybe JJ's not happy you know right. that type of scenario yeah. happens. I don't like to speculate. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. JJ doesn't seem like that type of guy. I think it's too early for all that. Um but you know that in that scenario the Vikings go get a, a wide receiver to cover their bases, but um Neighbors is so good so it'd be yeah, he's <laughs> it'd be really hard to like say no to that. Um but in that scenario I really do think I could see Quasi um taking the highest bidder and someone overpaying to kind of move up to get Neighbors and you you move back, but I'm all for it. Again, you'll never hear me complain about taking wide receiver, no matter how many we have. Give me, give me the playmakers and roll.
2: And Forno, you're good with this. If he's on the board, you would you would probably have to make this selection as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, if Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't exist, Malika Neighbors would be wide receiver one in this class with a, uh, pretty comfortably. I love Robo Dunze, but Neighbors gives you a little bit of everything. He he can attack the ball. He can stack. Uh, In uh, as he uh, goes deep and really give that little bit of element of separation, tracks the ball well in the air. He and Jaden Daniels were absolutely lethal on slot fades this year. It was uh, Daniels' favorite route to throw, and neighbors just made it so easy for him to lay it in there. Uh, And he's explosive after the catch. He can do a little bit of everything. And he does it at a very, very high level. I gave him a comfortable first-round grade. I believe he's the number one or number two player on my board right now, but I only stack guys I've watched in full. So that that'll probably end up changing when I get to the Caleb Williams, the Drake Mays, Marvin Harrison juniors, but the idea of taking neighbors at eleven, which I don't I don't think he's gonna end up being there, but in this simulation he was. Mm-hmm. And if you have a talent like that, you just don't pass them up. Remember the Vikings at 07 didn't need a running back. They saw Adrian Peterson as this generational type player. Yeah. So th- they took him. Mm-hmm. The Vikings did so with Randy Moss in ninety eight. They had Jake Creed and Chris Carter, multiple thousand yard seasons back to back. They took him anyways. Mm-hmm. If you find a guy that's just that good, you take him and figure the rest out later. Plus, free agency is for f- filling needs, the draft is for acquiring talent. We could be looking at a situation where they've already filled the majority of their needs and they can feel comfortable. And now, if they find that guy, oh, we just have a casual top five player in the draft fall to 11. All right, let's just take him. Yeah. I mean, that situation, you're going to have multiple offensive linemen going in the top, you're going to have multiple quarterbacks go before the Vikings, so you're looking at a situation that would be advantageous for the Vikings to be able to make a selection like that, because they don't have the ability to go get those guys, and adding neighbors to the fold where, let's be honest, wide receivers in a need anyways. Not a super high need, I ranked it 7th out of all the needs the Vikings have, but you have to have that third guy in this offense, and right now they don't. Jalen Naylor is a massive question mark after an injury laden year. Brandon Powell played well, but do you want to trust him as a full time wide receiver? Three? Probably not. KJ Osborne, I just don't think is good enough to warrant the contract he's going to get in free agency. So I would personally move on from him. And you need a guy. So you're technically still filling a need and you're getting a guy that's just got a super high ceiling. So if you take that quarterback, say in round two or move back up, now you have another. Piece to make that transition for him to come into the NFL that much easier because you have three really good wide receivers, Hawk when he comes back, and bookend tackles with an overall solid offensive line. Feels weird to say that, but the Vikings have a good offensive line. And now you fix running back and
2: let's go. Wouldn't shock me at all if they fielded calls at that position either. I wouldn't be shocked if teams are buzzing up there, buzzing up oh, the yeah. phone, and and if the Vikings, if the
0: neighbors is at eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. like yeah. that dude is. That dude's a top ten pick in almost every draft. So and if he makes it to eleven.
2: I could 100 percent see them probably even I I wouldn't want to be in a situation where you're moving back like a ton, but yeah, you're gonna get a lot mm-hmm. of calls and if you get an offer that you know you can't refuse, you absolutely kinda kind of run mm-hmm. with it. Um in round two for now, and we've talked about this one a lot, so uh you have JJ McCarthy, Michigan quarterback going to the Vikings at pick forty two. And now I have seen mocks that have him in the first round, I've have him, I've seen them out of the first round. He kind of seems you know that Will Levis site that we've brought up before multiple times on Purple Daily on draft, but I, I feel like, again, if he's there, like this just seems just like a no-brainer. Take your quarterback of the future. Let him develop. You probably re-signed Kirk in this scenario, too. I, I know you didn't really touch on that in this mock draft necessarily, but you probably have at least a bridge guy or Kirk Cousins back if you're taking J.J. McCarthy in the second round.
1: Yeah, and the, you really hit the nail on the head with the Levis comp. They're not the same player. But I think that the range and how people view Will Levis and J.J. McCarthy are going to be in a similar spot. I don't think people are going to have him as a top 10 pick like they did Will Levis. Some people were talking about him going like first or second overall. I don't see that Uh, with McCarthy. I didn't see that with Levis. I had a second-round grade on him because I just didn't know how he'd be able to utilize his tools with any form of consistency. And that was the biggest question. And that was the biggest question with Josh Allen. Look at what Josh Allen's become. He's still turning the ball over 20 times, but he's he's carrying that Bills team consistently. So with McCarthy, it's about developing the rest of his game because Michigan didn't. Michigan didn't because they didn't need to. They wanted to run the football, play great defense, and then when they needed McCarthy to be McCarthy, he was. But they never really allowed him to shine, which is why I thought he needed to leave Michigan. And it's probably best to sit at least half the season, maybe the full year and just get his bearings underneath him. Learn from a a veteran that just show him the little nuances of the NFL, clean up some of that footwork, but he can do some of the things that you already need him to do. He can do play action. He can move. He can throw on the run. He can throw with confidence and accuracy down the middle. Uh, He loves throwing the seam ball and he's very good at it. So you look at some of the positives with him It's just about letting him doing it and letting him do it with consistency. That's going to be the key in unlocking what he can be, because Michigan stifled him based on how they wanted to play, not who McCarthy was. And I think that's a big difference with him and Bo Nix. Bo Nix wasn't allowed to do a lot of those things because he couldn't, in my opinion. McCarthy wasn't allowed to do them because they just wanted to play a different brand of football. And I think that's where context really becomes king in these situations in trying to decipher. Who is the right choice? And if McCarthy's there, I, I think you jump on him because he can run this style of offense. He can r- do full field reads and you can utilize his legs, but he's not a guy who wants to run. And I think that that's when you're talking about dual threats, that's something to note as well. He can run. He's not, he doesn't want to. And I think that's a massive benefit for what O'Connell really wants to do. And that's attack down the field.
2: So, Miles, in, in this uh, mock from Forno, he has Rutgers quarterback Max Nelton going at pick 148. Is pick 148 too late to identify cornerback? Are you good waiting to you know pick up a corner at this point? I mean, Mikai Blackman might take a step. There was ebbs and flows The Caleb Evans. Uh, but cornerbacks always position that the Vikings are looking to grab is pick 148 too late. Are you, are we would you have rather seen the Vikings take a cornerback earlier in the draft if this mock played out like it does?
0: I mean again, it's so hard with without free agency and things, but I do think cornerback is the one position I think yeah. we're um what's the word I'm thinking of like I think I think we're underrepresenting could be in the first round if they don't go quarterback. I think a shutdown cornerback is one of the things that um Brian Flores would love the most because I think he knows how how important it could be to to help everything else on that defense. And they don't have a lockdown corner. They don't have a true one, like number one. I think Byron Murphy jr. Is a really good corner, but he's not like a traditional one. He's a good nickel who could play who can play on the outside. Um, and then the other guys they have just aren't proven. I think they can continue mm-hmm. to build off of Caleb Evans, but you know, I don't think he's, I don't, I also don't think he's like the, you could turn him into your true number one outside corner. I think he's a good, you know, uh, average to maybe slightly below average cornerback. And I don't think there's a problem with that. He's a fourth round pick. Um, and then Andrew Booth, we got no idea. Um, so I think that's just the one position where they could really look to uh really try to find that that one one A guy. Um but so I would have a hard time in if it was that late, but I think it's you do have guys, so it's not like you have nobody. It's not like the defensive yeah. line where like the cupboard is literally bare. Mm-hmm. There are guys that you can work around, and adding a few guys for competition in depth is important. Um and so maybe you don't go the route of trying to find that number one, you just continue to throw bodies at it i kind of like the way the packers have it with wide receiver it's not like focusing on one guy to be the true number one it's let's get a whole f- a, f- a few a few guys and let them kind of battle it out and see who who ends up taking those jobs and i think that could be a good a good spot for the vikings at corner
2: uh for no running back ray davis from kentucky who also uh, spent time at temple and vanderbilt uh you have him going to the vikings at pick 160 uh With Ty Chandler, Alexander Madison, we'll see what kind of the future holds for Madison, but uh, at least for Davis, he ran for almost 1,100 yards, 14 touchdowns last year. Is is another day three running back an option just like they kind of did with Dwayne McBride last year?
1: Yeah, I think running back's an option pretty much anywhere in this draft other than round one. I think if you make a trade to get another second-round pick or move back in round two, I think you could potentially see one in round two. You're going to hear a lot about Wisconsin's Braylon Allen. I really don't think he's a fit for this team. He is like 6'2", 238. He can't move laterally. He's not a guy you're going to ever want to use in wide zone. And I just think because of that profile, he's not going to be a fit here. Davis, I like his a fit. Uh, All you need to do to see the best of Davis is turn on the tape against my Florida Gators. Just absolutely pounded him for four quarters. It was, it was like a, an unfair boxing match where one guy is just beating the crap out of the other one. It was truly impressive. He's got the physical ability he can play in zone uh, schemes because at Kentucky, you're playing in essentially a Kyle Shanahan offense, so he's going to be able to understand a lot of what the Vikings are trying to do. He's got good vision. He's got the ability to break tackles, and he's got enough juice to be able to break out long runs. I don't think he has that top-tier gear, which I don't really care about that much. Yeah, you'd like to see a 70-yard run for a touchdown. Nobody's complaining if you go for 50-55. And with running backs, it's more about getting those consistent intermediate games than bursting out the long one. So if he's getting a bunch of 10, 15-yard gains, that's going to do a lot more for you with consistency than getting one or two of those uh, 70-yard touchdowns. And I think that's what Davis can provide. All I know is this, you cannot go into next year with just Ty Chandler and Alexander Madison and feel good about your running back room. Yeah, Madison has everything up here. His body can't always cash those checks. Chandler's body can cash those checks, but he doesn't have everything uh, with the vision, the decision-making, and all the mental stuff that comes with playing the running back position to be the guy as of yet. Will he ever develop it? I don't know. But giving him the opportunity to earn that job, I think, is a good idea. You just need to figure out how you're going to address the room by making it better. And I think
2: Davis could. Uh, rounding out this mock draft here, just the last three picks in it, you have Colorado tight end Dallin Holker uh, going to the Vikings at 165. Austin Booker, uh, the former gopher from Kansas, as an edge guy, going to the Vikings at 179. And then Florida Gator uh, Kingsley, is it Uwakum? Uwakun? How you pronounce A guacoon, I think, A-Gua-kun? is how you pronounce it. A It was a swing guy. You can play center, you can play guard yep. you can just be a depth guy for you um Austin Booker though I mean Miles I don't know how much gopher football you watch but an edge not until also round six um around seven right and then this one I pick 179 um Austin Booker former gopher I don't know if you watch any of his tape or saw him play at, at the University of Minnesota too um is this someone that you'd maybe be interested in, in day three for the Vikings
0: I mean the the gopher's defense this year was really good I yeah. think that's the one thing that we know I think that's one thing that you could be confident that they were able to do this year because they didn't do a lot of other no. things well, especially on, especially on offense. So um, I got no problem with it. I'm all for taking the hometown guy. I think he's worthy of a draft pick this year. Um, I haven't watched enough of him to like have like a truly informed opinion, but I think I, from that defensive side, I think there's a few guys um, that you know I wouldn't be surprised to get drafted this year. So um, especially the the safety um, uh, Tyler Newbin. Seven. Nubin, thank yeah, you. Yeah, he'll be really um, good. He's he's obviously like a top two round guy, but um, I I'd have no problem with it. The defense was really good. I think they they were versatile, and I think that was the one like bright spot of this of this team of the Gophers team last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't I would like to take edge earlier because it's one position that you truly like. Again, we talk about coverage bear. That one's probably not even be worse than your defensive line. Um, uh, it's close. Um, uh, but uh, we'll see. And obviously, we'll see how things shake out in free agency and whatnot. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it.
1: Awesome. Don't feel bad about not seeing enough of Booker miles. He played, I think 20 snaps of the U and he's played less than 600 his entire college career. Mm-hmm. The dude yeah. is just, he's got arms as long as vines and athleticism. <laughs> hey, so,
0: uh, what do you do with those dudes? Yeah, you you just take it, take a shot at him and see if you can, if you can hit something. I'm all, I'm all for it. Like the freaks on D3, go for freaks. it.
2: Our next, the day Aruna, baby. Let's go. Love that. Geeks and Freaks, Freaks and Geeks honestly. Uh great great show too. Uh forno you're in you're at the senior bowl next week, correct? That's a week from today. Yes, sir. All right. I will be flying to Mobile
1: with our good buddy Thor on nice. Monday. Be flying back Friday. It's okay. funny our arrival time on Monday and our departure time on Friday are the exact same. That's <laughs> just a funny coincidence. I thought I think it's hilarious.
2: Awesome, man. Well, yeah, so we're going to have some great takes from the Senior Bowl. Um, we'll, we'll, that won't be coming at you probably for a couple weeks, but for now we'll have boots on the ground there at least, so we'll have some takes from, from that as well. So hit that subscribe button for Daily Vikings Entertainment. This is Purple Daily on Draft. We appreciate you guys for listening.